the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll. Here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. I'm Rob Jenks, the church elder, and sitting across from me again in the studio again this week is Dr. Gary Cass, who's a local pastor. Brian and Kathleen, uh, your usual hosts, will be back next week. Last week, we looked to Scripture to see God's purpose for and role of government, and today we'll be looking at what God might have us do as churches and individuals when government turns evil. As we noted last week, In his 1994 book titled Death by Government, historian R.J. Rummel estimates that in the 20th century alone, the Soviets, Communist Chinese, and Nazis murdered some 128 million people, and that yet another 24 million were killed by Japan, the Khmer Rouge, the Turks, the Communist Vietnamese, the Pakistanis, the Yugoslavs under Tito, uh, North Korea, and a host of others. So again, We should not be surprised when government goes awry. Indeed, can you remember a time when it hasn't, somewhere on the planet? Well, Gary, it's another glorious day. It's great to be with you. Are you ready to deep dive into controversial waters? (laughs) Yep, I certainly am. Well, last week we discussed Romans 13. And in Romans 13, 7, we see that Christians are called to respect and honor government leaders, to be subject to government, and to obey its laws. 1 Timothy 2 tells us to pray for our civil leaders in both Matthew 22 and Romans 13, verses 6 through 7, tell us to pay our taxes. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> well, our obedience is not in response to the worthiness of the leaders, um, but as Romans 13 and 1 Peter 2 point out, it's in joyful submission to the one who is worthy and who calls us to be subject to civil authorities. We all know that obedience isn't always easy, but it can also be used as part of our sanctification. But there are times for civil disobedience, are there not? Absolutely. Uh, Christians must choose not only to obey governments or laws, but when such obedience would mean disobedience to God, they must disobey. Clear examples include Daniel's disobeying the law, forbidding prayer to any god or man other than King Darius. You see that in Daniel 6. Um, we see that when the wise man disobeyed Herod's instructions to come back and tell him where Jesus was born. We see that in Matthew chapter 2. And uh, specifically, we see it in Peter's conviction when told that they could no longer preach in the name of Jesus. Peter flatly said, we must obey God rather than man. That's in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. So disobedience is justified when authority is exercised in ways contrary to God's expressed purposes 
and commands for his peoples, and when they exceed God-given limitations on government. At different times and in various places, governments have sought to crush the church. Such suffering is to be expected and is often a vital part of our sanctification, as we see in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Indeed, many times persecution and even martyrdom have actually fueled revival and great spiritual advancement as part of God's wiser purposes. We'll also see that in Genesis 50, verse 20, and in Proverbs 19, verse 21. Interesting. So in general, we're to obey whenever possible, but certainly not when God, when government commands us to do that which God forbids or forbids us from doing what God commands. That part is pretty straightforward. But this year has been a challenge, has it not? What if the church is successfully deceived for a season? What then? Well, good churches uh, have really struggled through this uh, season with the uh, COVID pandemic and with the overreach of Sacramento and have landed in different places. It's uh, easy to look back and second-guess each other. But what we saw, I find very disturbing. We were told by civil authority to violate God to violate God's word and not gather for worship. Uh, so there better be an irrefutable threat to human life if we're going to obey them. And some churches stayed open regardless, and I respect that. Others gave civil leaders the benefit of the doubt. But then two weeks to flatten the curve became two months, then six months, and then a year, and all in the midst of a hyper-partisan election season. Some soon realized, uh, and some earlier than others, that the science and the so-called facts were being manipulated. Recent victories by, the, by California churches in the U.S. Supreme Court against our governor's overreach and arbitrary edicts have vindicated those of us who defied the governor and had our church worship services anyway. The troubling thing for me is the way the church seemed to lay down their rights so easily. Rights our Christian founders bled and died to bequeath to us, the rights to assemble and to the free exercise of religious liberty. Of course, some church mocked the governor by uh, proclaiming their worship services to be protests because apparently COVID-19 can't be spread in the midst of a protest. I hope out of all this, we get a better sense of what it means to be biblical patriots who have a proper and, I think, skeptical attitude when it comes to government power, as did our founders. Power is corrupting, and there's never anyone more intoxicated on it than a do-gooder government bureaucrat. Someone famous once said, the most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government, and I'm here to help. Now, perhaps we know why that's true. Well, so it's been a tough year, and, uh, and it's been tough to get uh, good information, I think, for uh, a lot of church leaders. And so it's just another situation where we, we really have to be on top of uh, proper news sources um, and uh, to have good situational awareness. Well, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. What about sending missionaries to countries other than the, our own whose governments command their people to do that which God forbids or forbids them from doing what God commands? Should we go? Should we refrain? Should we fear them? Well, 
there is no exception in the Great Commission. We are to go and make disciples of all nations, not just the friendly ones and the ones that respect human rights and religious liberty. Uh, in the 1980s, I had the privilege of working behind the Iron Curtain with Christians in the underground church, and we gladly defied the Soviet communist government because its laws were illegitimate. Uh, we smuggled in parts for a printing press, which was illegal, so that the, the underground church could print Bibles and Christian literature. We even brought in a recording studio and a bunch of high-speed cassette duplicators because that's the way the underground church was uh, communicating. Uh, we even smuggled a young man out of Romania so he could go and attend a Baptist Bible college. So this was not sinful or illegal before God because the government had overstepped its limits. It's never illegal to violate an unlawful order. And we saw that the apostles just did just that when the civil leaders of their day told him that they must not preach. And he said, uh, Peter said, we must obey God rather than man. So nothing's changed. And today we're watching our government demand that we as Christians co-sign on their politically correct rebellion against God. But as believers, we're called to obey God, just like the Christians all around the world and all through time who had to risk all to honor the Lord. It's our duty and our honor to declare Jesus as Lord in the face of the fierce lions of the cancel culture world. When I get discouraged, I think of a friend named Herbert. He was a man who lived in Estonia. Remember, the, the Russians came in and liberated Estonia. <laughs> and uh, But he was uh, kind of playing the game, and he was actually a leader in the Communist Youth League, but found the Lord. Uh, later, he was imprisoned for helping us in our efforts uh, to assist the underground church. And when asked, Herbert, why did you risk everything for the Lord? He could have played the games and, and been very successful in the communist system. And Herbert said something that changed my life. He said, when I came to Christ, I died. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. Sounds kind of familiar. <laughs> Something like maybe another uh, prisoner might have written. Well, thank you for those stories. And, and as I recall, you went into the Soviet Union through a variety of East Bloc nations mm -hmm. numerous times, right. and which is a testimony to uh, the fact that the Lord was protecting you and uh, to the, the power of prayer. And that protected so many of the people in those countries who risked their lives and their, and their families. And I'm so grateful because it was very early in my Christian life. And to come into, into contact with people who, who have just risked everything for the gospel, I, that became normal to me. And then you come back to the West and not so much. Well, thanks for sharing those stories. We need to take a short break, and when we return, we'll be discussing the issue of civil disobedience and obedience a bit further. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts on K-Praise. Christ is risen from I'm Rob Jenks, and I'm back here with my co-host today, Dr. Gary Cass. 
While Romans 13 teaches obedience to government, is there anything that we can do as biblical citizens to preserve a godly heritage in our nation, as opposed to reacting only once it gets to a point reminiscent of the time of Nero or Caligula? Are politics outside the job description of a Christian? Is it all vanity? And I've had this discussion many times. Should we allow government to devolve to that point? Absolutely not, especially if you're a parent and you have, or a grandparent. But sin certainly is vanity, and so is wrongful thinking about governance. Uh, scripture, however, teaches that God and God's word and God's law are unchanging because God's nature is unchanging. And we see that in Hebrews 13.8 and 1 Peter 1.25, uh, Matthew 5.18 also teaches that when there's a conflict and, and we see that bad government are functioning, it's not an inherent part of the universe. Rather, they're both a result of sin. So we can resist that, just like we resist uh, sin in our own life. Uh, Proverbs warns us about having a hot temper against having a perverse and greedy heart um, and, and giving in to sin. And there's even more. There's evil desires and hatred and pride and war and lust and and just foolish arguments. We're, we're to be resisting sin, but we resist it individually. We resist it in our homes. We resist it at work and at school. And all we're doing now is extending that. When we resist evil, we're just resisting sin in the government. So Scripture also teaches us that the peace that we seek, the peace that we sometimes think might come from just ignoring unjust government and just pretending everything's all right, um, that it's only God's to give us. And and it's true. It comes to us through Christ. Uh, God does give us his peace, and that's the fruit of the Holy Spirit in our life. And, and, and I think we should take comfort, especially sometimes these days where Jesus said, I've said these things, that in you you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Isaiah also reminds us that the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness will be quietness and trust forever. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He, that is God the Father, made Christ, who knew no sin, that was he was sinless, to be sin, that is, to absorb and to take the punishment of our sinful life, he became a sin offering, so that he might become to us the righteousness of God in Christ. So that's where true spiritual peace comes from, only through Christ. But then it needs to be worked out. Now men, especially men who don't know Christ, are always trying to turn this world into heaven or into utopias, but it never ends well. They always end up becoming some kind of dystopia. They never live up to their promises, just like we saw in the last century the most bloodiest century in human history. Look at the lives of the people of the Soviet Union, North Korea, People's Republic of China, Cuba, Venezuela. What might have happened if those who were led to slaughter opposed their oppressors early on? Well, obviously, opposition matters. What about in the case of Nazi Germany and the deportation and death of uh, camps that were established and the type of resistance that was shown by Corrie Tim Boom and her family hiding Jews and 
and saves countless souls. Uh, there's also the story of the German pastor, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Remember, he was executed in his last days of the Reich for conspiring with German military personnel in their plot to assassinate Hitler in order to stop the carnage in August of 1944, as opposed to losing another million dead over the next eight months. Now, were their actions warranted biblically? Absolutely. We celebrate what he did. But what about today? What about in the UK? What about in the US and what we see going on in Canada where government evil is more nuanced? There is a very useful and helpful concept. Uh, Sounds kind of difficult, but it's not. It's called the doctrine of the lesser magistrate. Now, this idea was made popular first by John Calvin, who, after preaching on Romans 13, noted that Christians must submit to ruling authorities under normal circumstances, but it would be wise to elect popular magistrates, that is, people who are elected by the people and who are appointed to curb the tyranny of kings. At that point, he says, God has ordained them to serve as guardians of those liberties that God has bestowed. You can see more about this over uh, history. It was an elaborate doctrine that was first employed by Lutherans in the Magdeburg Confession. This goes all the way back to the 1550s, in which they were being forced to convert to Catholicism, and they argued that the subordinate powers in a state faced with a situation where the supreme power is working to destroy their religious liberties, they may go further than simply non-cooperation with the supreme power, but the lesser magistrates were to assist the faithful in their resistance to the superior superior power. This work drew heavily on the work of Martin Luther, who listed multiple conditions in which an evil ruler would be determined to be a tyrant or a bear wolf, and one who needs to be opposed. And so that is our historic Orthodox Protestant heritage. The doctrine of the lesser magistrate is now a cornerstone of English and American law. It was not only a legal and theological basis for the Magdeburg Confession, but also of the Dutch Revolt in 1556, the glorious revolution or the English Civil War of 1642. It's the same thing that our founders used in the American Revolution in 1776. So, And we even saw it, uh, frankly, in California uh, last year when we would see local mayors and cities and uh, local sheriffs who chose with impunity not to enforce certain harmful Uh, tyrannical orders that were coming out of Sacramento. And this reminds me of of when I was pastoring out in East County. Uh, The pastors worked together to try to to advance uh, getting good people elected to political office, uh, people that would uphold our liberties and and not resist the church and our obligations to advance the kingdom of God. And as a result, um, we have a wonderful Christian mayor out there, a good friend of mine, 
uh, Bill Wells. Uh, city council members are Christians. Uh, we got school board members uh, elected as Christians. And these lesser magistrates, these lower political officials, have a job to do, which is to make sure that the higher authorities do not uh, disabuse us of our uh, rights and liberties. And even to this point, if you're going to get elected, you need to go and talk with the pastors to make sure that you are the right kind of candidate. Now, these churches didn't stop preaching the gospel. They didn't stop doing their discipleship ministries. We can actually do more than one thing. And as a result, uh, what does the book of Proverbs say? When the righteous rule, the city rejoices. So we have a lot of good, happy things coming out of East County because we have godly lower magistrates who are doing their jobs. And all those preachers are still preaching and sharing the gospel and discipling as well as being engaged in the community. So you can do all of it, right? Absolutely. It's interesting that you were uh, mentioning Luther and the Magdeburg Confession of 1550. Um, He had this um, concept called the beer wolf, and I had to Uh go look that up because, you know, uh, that's another word in German for werewolf. And Mm -hmm. you go, what in the world is that all about? Well, it's, um, it's a term that he used to describe a ruler who overturns the moral order upon which the law is based. Right. So uh, that's getting uncomfortably close <laughs> to the present day, is it not? Yes. Well, I couldn't uh, – that's great. I, I couldn't help but notice that uh, four of the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence were current or former pastors, and one, John Witherspoon, who was an active pastor, was wounded in the Revolutionary War – uh, before uh, becoming the president of Princeton University. So talk about active in the community. And you, and you know the complaint in England that Cousin America ran off with the Presbyterian clergy. <laughs> so um, it, it's interesting. So back in those days, uh, there was no question about uh, forming universities, uh, you know, starting hospitals, uh, getting engaged uh, even in, in a combat if necessary. And you, you also mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor, who was executed um, in late April 1945, just weeks before uh, the end of the war. And by um, the way— For participating in the plot against Hitler. Right? And, that's, and what's ironic is we celebrate that, but many seminaries will actually put things on their website celebrating Dietrich Bonhoeffer. But what they're teaching in their seminaries could never have produced a Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Well, it's interesting. So if the Nuremberg trials are any indication, uh, you know, this is something that we actually have to be engaged in. The, 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 I, I was simply following orders or, or standing by was, uh, was not a... No, know. they we hung and, and prosecuted and hung the, the Germans based upon the fact that they knew better. They knew God's moral law. Wow. As uh, so many heroes of the faith in time gone by have been active like that as well. Brave, brave men. Well, thanks, Gary, for sharing, uh, for being on the show and sharing God's word with us. Uh, you know, to bless our your neighbor this week, uh, we would encourage all of you as listeners to share the gospel with them and to talk about what's happening around us. See what you can do too to bring the light of God's truth to bear in local government. If you can, get involved. As Irish statesman and English MP Edmund Burke once said back in the 18th century, the only thing necessary for evil. For the triumph of evil is that good men should do nothing. May that never be said of us. May the Lord 
in that final day say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, God bless you all. Brian and Kathleen will be back next week. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility Responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K Praise. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.